Zoophilia brings new meaning to caged heat. I'm Kevin Leeson. New Zealand man charged with egg-revated assault. I'm Ed Brisson. Warning, this episode contains copious use of the term shit dick. I'm Joe Fulgham. Honk if you've run over Bigfoot. I'm Torrin Atkinson, and this is Caustic Soda. Follow-ups XI, 11, our 11th follow-up episode. We should start coining them like follow-ups colon something. Redemption. Oh, well, let's start with that. <laughs> All follow-ups right. redemption. <laughs> what are uh, we redeeming? Ourselves from like every episode we've done before this. We're so sorry. Uh, I would like to start off this episode with a thank you to, uh, to our listener, our caustic soda jerk, Jan, who sent us a couple of CDs. Mm. One from the Agnostic Fibes and one from Forbidden Dimension, which I've been listening to in my car for the last week. And uh, I like one of them and one of them I don't hate. <laughs> and I won't say which one is this because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I will say that I believe my rock and roll band, The Darks of the Hillside Thickets, has played with Forbidden Dimension in Calgary once, maybe twice. Okay. The there long history of my band. And uh, we also received from him, from Jan, uh, a, a Tom Bagley collection. He's an artist uh, who autographed it to Caustic Soda, and it's got a lot of really creepy and weirdo art inside, and it's kind of cool. I uh, throw out the old thanks a lot, Jan. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's cool. I'm assuming it's Jan and not Jan, but maybe it's Jan. I don't know. J-A-N. I'll say thanks to Jan. Okay. You say thanks to Jan. Jan. There you Cover go. We're all the bases. And I'll say thanks to Bob in case he just had really bad handwriting. <laughs> it's a distinct possibility. Uh, so we have a guest with us today. Good friend of mine, uh, comic creator and erstwhile filmmaker, Ed Brisson. Hello. Have good, you seen erstwhile? Good friend might be strong. <laughs> Is it not pronounced Brisson? Edmond Brisson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have uh, your own podcast as well Sort of, yeah I, I co-host a, a podcast with a couple of the guys Called The Process Which is uh, about comic writing And oh. that sort of stuff And so if you totally stink today uh, You know, there's no excuses No, I, I suck on that podcast There's <laughs> no reason to expect any <laughs> different over here, here. Yeah. And that's comic books, not comic uh, <clears throat> You know, stand-up comic I'd like to start by talking about cancer Of course who doesn't want to talk about mind. It's how you start all of your conversations, so I'm used to it by now. Pretty Straight much. to the funny. Yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, researchers in Brazil have studied 432 men between the ages of 18 and 80, and it turned out 118 of them had penile cancer. 35% reported that they had had sex with horses, cows, pigs, chickens, and other animals. At the same time? <laughs> Dude, For, that would be quite... a farm orgy? Yeah, one of them was named Old MacDonald. What, what was the percentage? 35% of those with penile cancer reported that they had had sex with horses, cows, pigs, and chickens, and other animals. And how many of the 432 had penile cancer? 118. That's like a quarter. Yes, absolutely. So, By my uh, mathematics. They'd had sex with animals over a period of between one and five years, while uh, 21% of them did it for more than five years. Some performed the acts daily, others only monthly. The men who had sex with animals- <laughs> nobody performed it weekly. <laughs> I just want to point out that 35% of 182 is 
out of 400 people had so, had sex with animals yeah, in this they, study. They got penile cancer. Yeah. The researchers also noted that the men with who had agree, admitted that they'd had sex with animals had higher rates of sexually transmitted diseases, but they think that's because many of these men engaged in group sex practices, with more than 30% of them practicing sex with animals with other men. So they get together and have like an animal sex, a bestiality party. How does that conversation start? And what kind of snacks do you bring? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. (laughs) I don't know. Literally. When you're doing a pig, do you bring pork rinds? Is that what you do? Is that mean? Oh, no. You make them into snacks afterwards. Oh, I wouldn't want to eat that for a number of reasons. (laughs) Yes, but you wouldn't be having sex with animals in the first place. So maybe this isn't your crowd. It brings new meaning to the term turkey baster. Ed, you're a vegetarian, right? <laughs> I am. <laughs> He's safe. So happy. But maybe your well, penis isn't. It's because, yeah, he doesn't eat animals. <laughs> oh, I, I, he yeah. loves them. I'm good. I'm good with the animals. So you only have sex with vegetables, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Though typically with vegetables, they have sex with you because of their shapes. Yeah, I mean, I'm just... Except for the vagina pers- fruit. My favorite of all the fruits. So I have a quote here from a Brazilian doctor. I'm going to try and do my best Brazilian accent going to sound extra sexy okay we think that the intense and long-term practice that could produce <laughs> micro traumas in the human penile tissue mm, micro trauma the genital mucous membranes of animals could have different characteristics from human genitalia <laughs> you think and the animal secretions are probably different from human fluid probably perhaps animal tissues are less soft than ours and non-human secretions are toxic for us now are these gmo farm animals I have no idea. I bet you there's a range. There's a this probably is a sampling from all over the country, uh, as well. It's I guess this isn't contained necessarily just to Brazil because in 2003, uh, a study that uh, went across the United States, Australia, New Zealand, and parts of Europe, uh, they found that uh, of the 114 self-defined zoophiles that they found in that yes, talked to yes. in that study, 36 percent of them lived in big cities, and 83 percent had been to college. Nearly half of all those uh, self-identified zoophiles worked in informatics or technology. Computer nerds are having sex with animals. You know, uh, there's a documentary called Zoo about this uh, sort of half documentary, half uh, retelling. And I think the guy worked in IT there, too. It was about a guy who died uh, after having sex with a horse down in Seattle. I believe we talked about that on the horses episode. There you go. Was he not in IT as well? I believe he, he might have been. He might have been. Why is that correlation there? That's weird. <laughs> yeah. And listen, I'm about as internet-y and nerdy as possible, and uh, humans only. I don't. Would I? <laughs> I've got two dogs, and I'm never inviting the Geek Squad over to look at my computer <laughs> again. Oh dear! Lock up your dogs. Here comes the IT guys. <laughs> From January 2012, so uh, just over a year ago, a UK mom coughs up cancer. A mother of six from Coventry, UK, Claire Osborne, was driving when she felt a tickle in the back of her throat. <laughs> Moments later, she hacked up a heart-shaped lump of liver-colored tissue. Heart-shaped. Now, is it like an actual heart-shaped or is it a Valentine's heart-shaped? This is important information I need to know. I'm going to go with Valentine heart-shaped. Uh, I, I've got a quote here from her. I knew something was very wrong when I went straight to my GP who sent the tissue sample away for tests. Mm-hmm. The test revealed that Osborne had metastatic adenocarcinoma. Metastatic or metastatic? Meta- metastatic. 
I prefer metatastic. <laughs> that would sound more like a, a less bad cancer. That's for this sure. This is so fantastic. It's meta. When the doctors found out it was this kind of cancer, they told her she would need chemotherapy to kill any remaining cancers and gave her a 50-50 chance of surviving. Oh. Uh, but when they ran a positron emission tomography, a PET scan, to spot the cancer left behind, they found absolutely none. No cancer. No cancer So she left. literally coughed it all up. She literally coughed the whole thing up. Uh, we suspect the tumor grew on a stalk at the back of her mouth, which is very difficult to detect. And somehow she dislodged this and the stalk snapped and she coughed up the entire tumor. A heart-shaped so, tumor. And what, how big was this tumor? Uh, it did not say how big. But big enough that she coughed it up. Well, yeah. I mean, I can you know, cough so up smaller than her mouth. Like, coughed it up and didn't just go, ugh, and wipe it on her pants. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. Something where she was like, I should keep this and give it to a doctor and send it to a lab. The, do I need that? That looks like my heart. My heart isn't actually shaped like candy. What I, I need to go to a doctor. <laughs> yeah. People may be coughing up their cancers all the time, and we just don't realize it because it's just a regular... Yeah, every once in a while I get kind of like whatever, a little piece right? of thing and I think it's just some meat that was dislodged from a molar or something and I spit it on the sidewalk. Maybe it was cancer all the, t- all the whole time. What's the worst thing you ever coughed up, Joe? I had rhinovirus uh, just a few weeks ago and rhino. rather than coughing, I vomited and it was so powerful it shot out my nose. <laughs> like both. The, I <laughs> Why was, didn't you videotape this? The, uh, it kind of came suddenly. <laughs> Damn it. So here's the thing. Uh, I actually got over the the actual vomiting pretty quick. That happened only in the first day because I just stopped eating. But for the next four days, I could smell vomit in my sinus cavities. Oh no! And then you it didn't went away. Wash it out with milk. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that. And then, like a few days later, I had a really nice hot shower, and that just got more like moist air up there, and I smelled it again. It's. Oh, man. That's like when somebody like vomited in your carpet and then you can never get that vomit smell entirely eradicated ever again. Yeah, I I feel a little post-traumatic stress from this. It's pretty brutal. I feel like Ed can weigh on this. He's vomited lots. (laughs) Just just regular drunken vomit, so not not, not anything special. Did you vomit any of it cancer? (laughs) What's that? Did you vomit any cancer? No, no. But you didn't take it to the lab to get studied. I did not. No, no. I'm famous for vomiting at windows for some reason. That, that's my, you know, if, if we want to talk vomit, including I did once at our studio, actually. <laughs> Do windows cause that or they just happen to be No, handy? I, it happens to be a handy place you can oh. run and vomit and not get it inside of wherever you are. Instead, <laughs> you can just drop it in front of Budgie's Burritos. Or... Yes. For our listeners, Ed Ed and I shared an art studio above Budgie's Burritos on the corner of uh, basically Maine and Fraser in Vancouver. Yeah. I was not there that day, but the vomiting happened at the window. <laughs> I came was in and cleaned up the next by? day. It was about three in the morning. Only, oh, yeah. only hipsters, so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody important. So not real people. I have a follow-up to feces. Ooh. Uh, anybody here at the table had a rectovaginal fistula? Well, I, I, know, I know what all of those things mean. <laughs> but and, you don't know but, what they mean. But I, I, I don't have a vagino. Uh, yeah, that's the, well. I guess that's true. I guess it'd be very difficult for any of us to have a rectovaginal fistula. Um, this is a, uh, a story that I read that I did a little research into because the story was kind of uh, didn't really have any information in it. But it turns out that the um, the skin that d- separates the vag and the recto. The vagio uh, and the recto can uh, can the vagio recto membrane. Yeah, you, well, yeah, I think it's actually like a flap of skin. The taint. But if they get a the if, some, if somebody gets a tear in that membrane, uh, they can start pooping out of their vagina. Sure, mm-hmm. it's only reasonable. 
these fistulas can often be caused by trauma during childbirth, symptoms of Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, or sometimes f- simply from complications during a surgery. Oops. <laughs> I, I actually, I, uh, I, I didn't really have a story behind it, so I sort of did some research and I found a blog called Ostomiland. Ostomiland. Oh, uh, I was hoping it was Count Fistula's amazing blog. <laughs> I've I've been to Ostomiland. It's really awesome. <laughs> oh, lots yeah? of lots of great rides there at Ostomiland. <laughs> yeah, what's the what's what's the uh, you know they got the 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 poop shoot. That's great. The poop shoot's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you just got to keep your mouth closed when you're on it. Just you can put your hands up, but make sure to keep your mouth closed. Uh, and there was uh, there was an article, and somebody wrote quite at length about their experience with a rectovaginal fistula. Thank goodness, internet. She was. Uh, she pointed out that she worked full time as a research scientist as part of a team developing therapies to treat muscular dystrophy, and she lined up a workmate that she teamed up with who would take the blame if uh, she had any issues during lab meetings. Uh, she was afraid of the smell that there would be an aroma that would uh, that would be blamed on farts, and so she had a. Uh, a friend who would, was willing to own any fart smells in her presence. Well, that's a good friend. Uh, it's better than any of my friends. So she was got lined up for this thing called advancement flap repair. Which, advancement flap repair? Yeah. So what they do is they take a piece of skin from elsewhere, and they kind of like lay it over the fistula mm-hmm. and uh, basically sew it in, right? Like, you know, put it like a- Patch it up. Patch it up, just like you would on the knees of your jeans or on the elbows Done of your jackets. Done that many times with a piece of my skin from somewhere else in my body. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it didn't work for her. Okay. Uh, so she still had continuing problems, and she had six failed repairs- uh, until they finally used a leg gracilis muscle for an anorectal reconstruction. Uh, she had her final and successful fistula repair, a gracilloplasty, where the muscle was used to essentially block up the fistula. Uh, I was finally fixed, although this was a little bittersweet because my... <laughs> What does the sweet part come in? Uh, my sphincter muscle has been damaged by the multiple repairs, for, so for now I still have to... Uh, she still has to poop in a bag. Oh, that's mm-hmm. sad. Uh, can you spell a... A grassimoplasty for me? Grassilo, G-R-A-C-I-L-O, plasty. Uh, so, yeah, so this sounded particularly horrible to me, and I, I mean, it's awful for people who have this affliction, but just the idea that people could poop out of their vagina. I found a YouTube video called Grassiloplasty. Here we go. Oh, I do not want to. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> oh. That was a horrible mistake. I'll put that up on the website. I'm not even going to finish watching it. Uh, it oh, it's like, that's like man. goatsy, only grosser. It's surgical goatsy. <laughs> yes, surgical uh, goatsy. And for the listeners out there, because we're not a video po- a podcast, uh, Ed's face is now as red as his shirt. <laughs> I now can no longer tell where his neck starts and his shirt begins. And for the uh, other listeners out there who can't see his shirt, his shirt is very red. <laughs> I also have a feces-related follow-up. This is also a follow-up for parasites and kind of, sort of, shark attacks a little bit, kind of, sort of. Okay. From January 2013, this is from uh, the study in the peer-reviewed journal PLOS One. A cluster of tapeworm eggs have been discovered in 270 million-year-old fossilized shark feces. This discovery shows that the fossil record of vertebrate intestinal parasites is much older than was previously known and occurred at least 270 to 300 million years ago. Coprolites, as we all know from my Mm -hmm. (laughs) t-shirt, not the one I'm wearing right now, but my 
copper light happens to sure. Nobody can tell. <laughs> is uh, fossilized feces. Uh, they are extremely useful in paleontological research because they provide evidence of an organism's diet and behavior, and in this case, of which parasites it may have hosted. So tapeworms been around as long as sharks have. That's something. Those ancient parasites are the forebears of the intestinal invaders that still turn stomachs and haunt digestive tracts today, including Ooh. tapeworms. That's some pretty creative language for a tapeworm story, for a so, fossilized tapeworm story. I'm tapeworms. <laughs> yeah. It's a follow-up for our ghosts episode. <laughs> yeah, I took the uh, medication to get rid of those tapeworms, and now their spirits are inhabiting my gut. <sighs> for the recent study, scientists examined 500 samples of the Paleozoic shark feces in question. 500 samples. And only one contained tapeworm eggs. Okay. This is the earliest record of tapeworm parasitism of vertebrates and establishes a timeline for the evolution of cestodes, which are the tapeworm belongs to. Uh-huh. Uh, the fossil parasite eggs presented here corroborate the theory that parasitism was present since the advent of life. Of course. Like, uh, you know, I'm a parasite of sorts. You sure I live are. off the avails of others. Yeah, life tries to find a, an environment to live in, and inside other life is an environment where that can work. Mm-hmm. That's a parasite. I got a follow-up for fisticuffs. All right. This comes from one of our listeners, Derek, who alerted us to a uh, June 2011 story from South Australia, where uh, at Wyala School, a fight club has led to the suspension of 24 students after footage of organized brawls were published online. They would go... Oh, there's a quote. I guess I have to try and do my Australian. Yes, please do. All your accents have been banging so far. (laughs) They went into an unused room and in groups using boxing gloves, carried out a fight club from time to time, and some students were injured. All of the students who were participating and all the bystanders have been suspended and all the parents have been notified. Uh, While the Viola Fight Club case is extreme, it points to a growing trend of violence in schools. Uh, the Shadow Minister for Education of South Australia says a lack of funding for sporting equipment is the problem. We know that we need to engage our kids in schools and they need equipment to do that. I, so, like, I like that there's a Shadow Minister of Education. <laughs> I knew you'd like that title. We have Shadow Ministers in Canada oh, I don't as well. even know what that means, but it reeks of Harry Potterism. <laughs> it means in a parliamentary system where you have ministers responsible for different departments, the opposition party, they assign somebody to criticize that minister. Oh. So they're the shadow ministers. So they shadow them and say bad things about them. <laughs> Cast spells on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would be the Harry Potter spell? Steal their voice. <laughs> so uh, anybody uh, been involved in uh, Fight Club recently? or uh... Not recently. <laughs> no, not recently. One of our listeners, Mission Brown, mm. uh, has, has an anecdote about fight clubs. Uh, and it, I quote, I don't know where Mission Brown is from, so I don't know what accent to do. Any suggestions? Thank goodness for that. No? All right. Uh, Mission British Columbia. Uh, uh, so, so do we... the uh, Transylvanian one you were doing earlier on. <laughs> I want to suck your blood. Uh, some real a-holes missed the point of fight club and decided to start one up in the alley in my suburb. I got to tell you, listening to consenting adults beat the poop out of each other right outside your bread and window is one of the creepier ways to wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> also, fisticuffs are not really all that good for your teeth. I sport a set of falsies after an encounter with a dirty fighter and half a house brick. Oh, wow. So I want to hear more about his half a house brick story than the fight club, but uh, he'll have to, Mission Brown, feel free to write in and, and give us that story too. Anybody have a fisticuffs anecdote they want to share? I've got a fisticuffs anecdote. <laughs> oh, all right. 
Um, where I grew up, I grew up in, in a city called Oshawa, Ontario, which if you guys don't know, it's, a, it's kind of a shitty uh, town just uh, north of Toronto. People don't, nickname it. People don't nickname it they call it, the, they call it the Schwa. Um, <laughs> I went to Catholic school there. And when I was at a very young age, uh, I believe I was about seven, uh, my, I have a younger brother and a younger sister. And it was my sister uh, was coming into my school. And my dad decided that... Um, he would have to teach me how to fight because uh, my sister was there. So if anyone uh, messed with my sister, I'd have to take them out. So, oh, right. uh, oh, your dad had actually assigned you this duty. Yeah, he brought me down to a park to teach me how to fight. And uh, just for a little backstory, my dad uh, is a retired police officer who oh, taught okay. police officers how to fight. <laughs> so okay. he, he taught them their self-defense and, uh, and old, all that sort of tactical How old were the police stuff. officers? That... They were older than seven, that's okay. for sure. <laughs> Uh, and, and this story my dad to this day denies, but it is 100% true, where he brought me down to the park and he showed me <clears throat> to fight another kid by grabbing him by the shoulders, bringing my knee up into his balls, yeah. <clears throat> stepping back, grabbing him by the back of the head and bringing his nose into my knee. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's solid. And, uh, you know, seven years old, that was pretty awesome. And uh, I remember being mortified, mostly not a, like later on is when I discovered like the whole like kneeing some kid in the nose, trying to break their nose. Because they're messing or, you know, they're, they're, they're picking on your sister or whatever. But uh, at the time, the kneeing someone in the balls was the most like, and I remember saying to my dad that, uh, you know, you can't knee somebody in the balls. You can't hit somebody in the balls and fighting. That's, uh, that's it's cheating. against the rules. It's right. yeah. cheating. And my dad said, there's one lesson I'm going to teach you is there's <clears throat> winning or losing. There's no cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a, something that the Emperor might have told you in Star Wars. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? and, uh, Darth Vaderism. <laughs> and I used those uh, later on in school. I did get in a lot of fights, actually. Oh, oh, not to good. defend my sister, because my sister and I did not actually get along. <laughs> Your sister got picked on uh, so much. Yeah, it was just I went to Catholic school, and, and there was an expectation reasons. that you'd fight at Catholic school. Oh, oh you're just like, wishing your sister had balls so you could near in them. <laughs> I don't think I ever wished my sister had balls. I just thought, oh, <laughs> okay. right. mm. and I let my sister protect me because she's a total badass. Well, your sister actually liked you, though. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, we were a brother and sister, so we fought ourselves. But yeah, I also have a, kind of an improvised weapon story here. Uh, it's from New Zealand, August twenty third, twenty twelve. Philip Russell lost his temper when he discovered that his wife's pet pig had damaged his power saw. Mm -hmm. okay. He verbally abused his wife, spat at her, then grabbed an ostrich egg from the kitchen table and hurled it at her. <laughs> Was it boiled or unboiled? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a big critical question here because it's going to make a big difference. I'm going to guess boiled. I don't. Here's the thing. They don't know where it came from uh, in this news article. The ostrich egg, the largest type of egg produced by any living bird species, caused bruising to the chest of Russell's wife, the report said. Uh, it said Russell pleaded guilty to charges, including assault, using an ostrich egg as a weapon. That's that's uh, code four, six, five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty specific for a uh, charge and was sentenced to six months in jail. Uh, at an earlier court hearing, his defense lawyer said his client, who has a record of domestic violence, had expected his wife to catch the egg. Well, and, and her giant catcher's mitt. The report did not explain why Russell had an ostrich egg, which is a species that is not native to New Zealand. That's very true. <laughs> if anything, I thought I would have been a kiwi egg. It's, yeah. A kiwi egg wouldn't have had the same kind of impact. 
Well, I'm also interested to know how, because I imagine that the uh, the shell of the ostrich egg is perhaps thicker, thicker than yes. uh, your traditional uh, chicken egg, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so guessing. maybe it it wasn't even boiled and it still bounced off. It of could her be. Face. Oh yeah. yeah, distinct possibility. I don't know what is it. Does anybody know what an ostrich egg feels like? Does it feel just like, like I would expect it to it's be like a little... shark skin? I saw an ostrich egg soft. on the Amazing Race in like season two, mm-hmm. where they had to like uh, they. They had to take a hammer and a chisel and knock a hole in the top of the ostrich egg in order to pour all the egg contents out. Right. And then they made the contestants drink one entire ostrich egg raw. Oh, wow. Which I think they said at the time that one ostrich egg is the volume of like 20 chicken eggs. Yeah. I think you could die from that. (laughs) I don't know. That's a lot of cholesterol. (laughs) So they were, yeah, they all had to like drink this raw ostrich egg and they were all gagging and all the rest of that stuff. And, you know, so... uh, uh, the Amazing Race, good times. Yeah, but I guess it, its shell has to be a lot thicker. Yeah. For, well, those are the like, rhinos in Africa trampling over it. <laughs> <laughs> Rhino-proof eggs, that would be quite the evolutionary leap. <laughs> uh, yeah, you definitely would have to think that probably not, doesn't happen all that often. No, I think you basically, if a rhino stomps on your, your little land nest, you kind of go, well, next time I'll hide it better. <laughs> Uh, Next time I'll move to New Zealand where there's no rhinos. Oh, but evidently there's ostrich eggs people use for weapons. Maybe though. that's why. Maybe it was an ostrich uh, on the lamb hiding out from the rhinos. Yeah, Come you got to worry about abusive husbands raiding your nest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just need a goddamn ostrich egg. <laughs> it's not the rhinos. It's the, the abusive husbands. That is the last time her pig wrecks my power saw. Where is that ostrich? Yeah, I also wanted to hear more about how the pig exactly wrecked the power saw. Did he try uh, to eat it or did he sit on it or... Yeah, Did how he make it his wife? Or... I wonder, maybe it just chewed the cord. That sounds like a pig thing to do. Yeah, yeah that does sound like a piggy thing to do. He thought it was a tail or something. And for some reason, he thought that a new cord was more expensive than the ostrich egg that's not native to where he's from. <laughs> yeah, he's been keeping it as a weapon. He had no intention of cooking it at all. It's almost like people who get angry don't think things through. <laughs> Heat of the moment. I have a follow-up for hoaxes. This is Montana, 2012, August. In an attempt to prompt a sighting of Bigfoot, 44-year-old Randy Lee Tenley and a buddy went out on northwestern Montana's Highway 93 dressed in jilly suits? Jilly suits or ghillie suits? Ghillie. Ghillie suits. suits. I, uh, I got a photo in case you want to take a look at uh, those, that. Yeah. Those camouflage those uh, big suits furry, yeah, designed camouflage as a re- suits. to resemble heavy foliage. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Tenley stepped out onto the right-hand lane of the two-lane highway in a ghillie suit and was struck by a car driven by a teenage girl. <laughs> a second so car. So hold, hold on a second. Was he trying to flag a car down as Bigfoot, or was he just trying to like you know be on the side of the road like? Maybe he's like yeah, Maybe he's just like attacking the car, and then uh, she's like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck you!" Bam. Well, the, the old classic, uh, you know, uh, you you drive where you look, and so they like look at him and they oh, just maybe. run him right over. Yeah, whose instinct is to swerve into a monster, maybe. threatening them from the side of the road? Maybe she wants to save people. She's like, shit, Bigfoot, okay. let's take it out. <laughs> She's a hero. Well, she just guesses that it's aggressive. Maybe it's trying to flag down medical attention for its friend. <laughs> Who had also been struck by a hero. Oh my God, are you okay? Do you need to borrow my cell phone, Bigfoot? <laughs> a second car, also driven by a teenage girl, hit the man as he lay in the roadway. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, because he would just look like a pile of uh, leaves or something yeah, exactly. in his ghillie suit, right? So that's really no surprise. You know, he kind of almost I mean, want to like hit tri- it. Just like driving a car commercial. <laughs> Brittany hit that Bigfoot, and I don't think it's dead yet. Swerve to the right. <laughs> Man, teenage girls, Samaritans or bad drivers? Oh. Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> One of each? No, teenage anything, bad drivers. <laughs> well, certainly the insurance companies think so. Tenley was well into the driving lane, and according to his companions, he was attempting to incite a sighting of Bigfoot to make people think they had seen a Sasquatch. (laughs) Authorities received no calls from drivers thinking they had seen Bigfoot. (laughs) Highway Montana Highway Patrol Lieutenant Colonel Butch Husby, or Hughesby, was reported as saying, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I, I don't really understand why he cares if there's a Bigfoot sighting or not? Like, what's the what's maybe, the a- appeal? Maybe he owns a souvenir shop or... Uh, oh, 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 oh callous uh, uh, entrepreneurship. Oh, I like yeah. That. yeah okay. that sounds like a movie plot right there. Yeah, that's like the uh, the the plot to Bigfoot 3 double D. A Harry and the Hendersons 2. It's <laughs> <laughs> all a publicity stunt. <laughs> so, but here's horribly thing. wrong. All right, fine. You want to like pretend to be Bigfoot and try and incite some sightings. Why? You don't have to go out into the road to do that. You can do it from <laughs> Maybe the... Maybe he was... He'd been at it for like four hours, kind of <laughs> hanging back, waiting yeah. for someone to go, Oh, look at that! And nothing ever happened. It's he like, should just start just his gonna... own YouTube yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, I wish there was video of this. Oh, I wish that this girl had had a dashboard cam. I hope, I, I hope that the calls that came in were just like, there's some dude in a stupid suit <laughs> that I just hit with my car at the side of the road. Like that they weren't fooled for a second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Bigfoot bleeds human blood. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I can just imagine that if, if that scenario did play out where he's like been lurking kind of on the forest's edge. Does he like... still stay in character <laughs> yeah. after he gets hit by the car? Is that uh... your next question? <laughs> oh, and what, and what noise does he choose? Does he go Chewbacca? <laughs> or does he like invent something new? What do you think a Bigfoot sounds like? <laughs> I, th- I think it's some kind of horrible keening sound like, ah! <laughs> Certainly after you've been hit by two cars. Yes. I got a smuggling follow-up. This has been uh, this article was brought to our attention by Banks. Banks. Oh wait, I have a hoax follow-up. Oh, sorry. Oh no, I don't. That was a hoax. Oh, uh-huh. oh it's so easy. <laughs> That's why we pay you the big bucks. Yeah. So uh Mexican drug smugglers are getting a little more inventive, uh trying to get their uh their their wares across the US border. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> They were caught lobbing four-pound bales of marijuana over the Mexico-Arizona border with a trailer-mounted catapult. Now, how big is a four-pound bale of marijuana, do you think? I think it's pretty big. Like a football size? No, no. It's no. no, it's like kind of like a hay bale. I guess it depends on how compact the bale is. Well, and I don't think pot weighs that much, right? So it's it like a lot of volume. Okay to like not very much weight okay right i've got a photo i don't know if you want to open up there i've got a little trebuchet yeah it's a, it's basically it's a it's a trebuchet that they hauled around on the back of a truck and uh flung four pound bales of marijuana across the border i wonder how, how much does it say how how much distance they got they made it doesn't say how much distance this got feet? no 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 that's a different story oh. it doesn't say how much this one got but uh there was a um they recently found 33 canisters of marijuana in a field on the U.S. side near the point where the Colorado River crosses the U.S.-Mexican border. And they think the pot got there after being launched from a huge pneumatic cannon, oh. which would fire these tubes roughly 500 feet. Okay. They sort of came to this conclusion because they found a discovered carbon dioxide tank. Oh, 
that tipped them off to right. the uh, pneumatic nature of this. They do this on Mythbusters all the time. <laughs> this is like Ooh. this is like the T-shirt cannons. Yeah, but with weed. With yeah. weed, and that can shoot at five hundred feet. It's the T-shirt cannon that killed what's her name in uh, wife, Simpsons. Right? Flanders yeah. wife. Flanders <laughs> wife in the Simpsons. They've been like juiced a little too high. And I'll tell you the uh, the dispensary price on that. If it's about uh, about average for decent weed, that's about eighteen thousand dollars per four pound. So it's a chunk of change. Yeah, for that ten dollars a gram. It's eighteen hundred grams. I just uh, you know what I mean. I want to know how these like Mexican drug smugglers came up with this idea of a trebuchet, right? Because like the, they probably the, saw a documentary on a History yeah. Channel. <laughs> oh yeah, because they're hanging out watching the History Channel all day. I right? know exactly how they they got it from that joke Lord of the Rings animated gif. What if we built this catapult and flung the ring into Mordor? Oh okay. And they were like, one. wait, we could do that with uh, with weed. Yeah yeah. You haven't seen it? Okay. Hold I on. mean, we're certainly gonna put this this image of this catapult up on the website causticsodapodcast.com. Go and check it out. Uh, but, uh, you know, I thought it was particularly inventive for a bunch of drug smugglers. I never gave them much credit in the engineering department. But, uh, you know. I assume there's a party on the other side with a giant net. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That might be a bit of a giveaway the, the, when this traveling, unless it's the traveling circus going through well, town. Here's their net for their uh, you Well, know, if the artists. trebuchet isn't a giveaway, <laughs> I don't know what is. Well, trebuchets are pretty silent as long as you do it at night where there's no lights, right? Well, I, I have an article that I really wanted to talk about, but I don't know what it could possibly be a follow-ups to. So I sort of put it under the slime category. Sort of kind of put it in, uh, in a follow-ups for slime. From December 2012, so very recently, uh, an Arizona woman had a runny nose that had been going on for weeks that uh, she believed was caused by allergies. Right. It wasn't even dripping. It was pouring out of my nose. Pouring I, out of her nose. If I looked down or bent over, it would literally pour out the left side of my nose. I had no control over it at all. So it's like a neti pot. Yeah, exactly. But it was constant. A right? neti pot? Neti pot. Those are those little uh, pots that you put warm water, water with some uh, salts in, and then you pour it into one nostril, and it goes into your sinus cavity and pours out the other one. Wow, yeah. And someone delightful. died. Well, somebody, yeah, uh, they're relatively safe, but you should be sure to boil your water because a woman actually got an amoeba infection, at, like, oh. like the water she used. And of course you're putting, you know, stuff into your sinus cavity. And yeah. if it's not completely clean, things can grow in there. But if you, if you boil your water, neti pots are relatively clean and there's actually some scientific benefits to, there's some proven benefits to using. Now, if I, if I use sulfuric acid, would that be better? That would also be bad. <laughs> oh. Don't pour boiling water in your nose though. That too. <laughs> I mean, you know, also don't put bullets into your nose <laughs> and hit them with hammers. Uh, so all important safety tips. This Public woman, service announcement. The, this, this woman suffered from this condition for four months before she decided that she had to go uh, to a specialist. Because right. she'd been going to the doctor and they just kept telling her it's severe allergies. It's severe allergies. So she uh, totally ran out of body fluids. Well, I mean, she was literally walking around with tissue stuffed all the way up her nose that she would have to change regularly. <laughs> so she finally went to an urgent care facility where stunned doctors at the facility told her that the clear, tasteless fluid dripping from her nose was, in fact, cerebrospinal fluid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the fluid in our brain. Okay. <laughs> the this doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> uh, her life was literally in jeopardy during those four months. As doctors say, individuals suffering from this rare condition are prone to infections, which can prove deadly. Uh, I got uh, Dr. Alexander Chu. I will not be doing an accent because it will sound racist. 
you are constantly making brain fluid. It can be fatal when there is a connection between the cleanest part of your body, the brain, and the dirtiest part, your nose. <laughs> is that the dirtiest part? I was about part? to say, I don't think your nose is the dirtiest Dr. part of your Chew. body. I can think of a couple places dirtier. Actually, Joe's brain is pretty dirty. Uh, no, yeah, in a different true. way. Yeah, Joe's brain would actually probably clean his nose. So, yeah, I think it might be a bit of an overstatement to say the nose is your dirtiest part. But there is obviously a big chance of infection. So uh, what, they di- what they used to do, I love this description of how they used to fix this condition. We used to retract the brain and pull it in backwards. Wait a minute. <laughs> retract the brain? Yeah, yeah, and pull it backwards, taking out the frontal lobes and lifting them out of the way and patch up the belly of the brain. Oh, that's what they used to do. They okay. used to basically lift the brain and kind of seal the bo- the belly of the brain cavity, right? Which way do they go in for that? Well, I think you, they got to cut the top off and pop it out and kind of do the whole thing, like taking an engine out of a car, right? Uh-huh. Now, today, they go through the nose like going under the car to okay. fix the carburetor. Okay, all right. So well, what they do is they, uh, they begin the procedure by injecting traceable fluid into your spinal fluid. Oh, what in- color is it? I have no idea. I'm going to go with magenta. I was hoping it would be green. <laughs> what? Why green? It's the first thing that pops into my head. Oh, what, uh, what color do you think, Ed? What's the appropriate color for brain surgery? You want something that isn't going to be mistaken for some other kind of fluid in your body. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm trying not to think about it, to be honest. It's Ooh, kind of, something kind of neon. Me out. Yeah, neon. Yeah, green. go 80s. Go full on, like, uh, glow stick. You know, uh, in your, in glow your brain? stick green. Yeah. So it's like a constantly, it's like a rave all up in your head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just can't sleep. <laughs> so you, you, so you walk into a room with black light and your eyes glow after the operation or something. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they pump in the, this colored fluid and locate the source of the leak, and Miss Aragon has fully recovered from her surgery. She says, I feel much better, although doctors want to keep a close eye on her. She's not leaking anymore, but we have to make sure she doesn't spring a new one. On the side of her head. Yeah, if she's got the one little easy-to-make hole there, there might be more, right? I was yeah. disappointed that this article didn't say uh, what – they said the condition is rare, but they didn't have a name for it. Oh, uh, d- yeah, it's a uh, hole in brainius, I'm guessing. It's uh, fluid- a <laughs> brainius. Yeah, it's fluidus leakus. Uh, okay. they, they did a fluid leak octectomy. Uh, uh, Very good. Right? A leaky fluid octectomy. I'm going with that. That's what, that's what it, I, it's actually called. It would be a spontaneous cerebrospinal fluid leak. SCSFLS. Uh, oh. Hmm. SCSFLS. That, yeah. That it rolls off right. the tongue. Yeah. yeah. It sounds a lot like syphilis. Schizophilus. Schizophilus. Affects five out of every hundred thousand people. Wow. That's actually less rare than I thought. Like, yeah. you would think we would spring leaks in our brain cavity less than that. And women are, li- are twice as likely to, as men to develop the condition. Woohoo! I mean, that sucks for you. <laughs> Wait, why do you think that is? What do you think the cause of that is? Anybody got an opinion? They're always picking their nose way more and getting in there deep. Oh, and they got the, yeah. And they got the fingernails in the end. I'll just level it out here. They're smarter than us. Yeah, their, their brains brain are just, bigger you know, and they're just pushing out of their heads. Right. Oh, no, you know what it is? It's every part of their body tries to give birth. Right? They're just trying to shove something out of that cavity. There's an available hole. Go! Run for the hills! Push something out of it. Yeah. I'm just going to say that their bodies are slightly more delicate and the separation is slightly smaller and that makes them more likely to break down the barrier between the two. 
That's you know, I'm going to be reasonable. Correct. That's probably correct. I got to yeah. go towards menstruation. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I have a follow-up for censorship mm-hmm. that was uh, provided to us by uh, one of our listeners, Mike. He sent us a story from January 2013, so very recent. A jury trial is underway for a Quebec special effects artist who faces criminal charges because he produces gory horror films. Ed, you oh. want to listen up to this one? I'm listening. Yeah. Uh, Remy Couture is charged with corrupting morals through the distribution of obscene material. Uh, he was arrested because of his short, sexually explicit horror films on his website called Inner Depravity. He was arrested in October of 2009 and faces three charges. Interpol was the first alerted to the images in 2006, and they deemed them so realistic Uh-oh. that their in-house pathologist couldn't rule out that a homicide had actually been committed. I, right now, I'm going to say I'm not a fan of censorship, but I think that's a legitimate reason to at least investigate. Yes, but yeah. unfortunately, the Quebec government is actually leveling charges. The prosecutor is charging him with, uh, with obscenity. He says the sexually charged nature of the material is what led to the charges. The prosecution views the work as obscene with scenes of necrophilia and simulated rape. That's right, because Quebec has always had a um, reputation for being much more lenient than the rest of uh, Canada. Especially when it comes to sex stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I I, um, I swore I'd never talk about this on air, but I used to work (laughs) in an adult video store. And uh, for for a period of time, people kept returning videos from Quebec through their return slot at night when we were closed. And my manager kept freaking out. He's like, if this stuff gets caught in our store, we get shut down. And so we'd actually have to take them and throw them away as soon as, as, soon as we'd uh, find them because Quebec was, uh, like I said, uh, notorious for having more hardcore, hardcore. Yeah, and there, there are laxer laws around it and just really, yeah, in, intense. Uh... How right, the tables okay. have turned. Uh-huh. Well, you know what I think this is? I think this is the biggest possible advertisement for how awesome this guy's prosthetic makeup should again, be. What was that website again, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> Let's buzz market it. <laughs> well, not only that, I mean, he's, he's a professional, uh, um, like, he makes prosthetic makeup, like makeup right. special effects mm-hmm. for films, for movies in Montreal, and this is sort of his side project, these, like, torture porn movies that he does as a hobby, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's not what I would choose to do for a hobby, although I've, I've made short films on my side. Ed and I have made short films together. Uh, we refused to make a short film that this guy that we knew wanted to make because he wanted uh, a graphic, violent, sexual activity in it. We chose not to Well, it wasn't just, it was... Also, he, that was he, written poorly. It, it was written poorly, but he, did, he wanted actual... Penetration. A, an actual sex scene in it, and we were just not, not cool with that. We just, yeah. you know. I mean, this is the best thing that could happen to this guy, right? From a business perspective, assuming that he doesn't go to jail. I mean, uh, this uh, Interpol thought that he was actually murdering people and filming it and posting <laughs> it online like a supervillain, right? <laughs> no one will ever believe it's real. <laughs> it's the perfect hiding place. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> uh do you want to do? Do you want to do the immediate follow? up I actually we have a follow up. Uh, immediate follow up. This is December twenty second of twenty twelve. Remy Couture found not guilty of corrupting morals. Oh, so good. It's those big blue eyes of his. <laughs> corrupting morals. It's like the most bullshit charge. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was. How, how would you prove? Uh, you know, it. It just seems like the. Uh, you know, the catch all. If they can't. If they can't get you on something else. I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, ew, that's gross and we don't like it. Yes. I mean, which, fair Corrupting enough. I don't think I would morals. like it. 
No, it's it's definitely not up my alley either. But uh, you know, yeah. Well, there was two days of deliberation with the uh, jury. They were just getting the free meals and the forty dollars <laughs> a day. Bunch of deadbeat Frenchmen. Hey, Tom, it's Bob from the office down the hall. It's good to see you, buddy. How have you been? Things have been okay for me, except that I'm a zombie now. I really wish you'd let us in. I think I speak for all of us when I say I understand. Why you folks might hesitate to submit to our demand. But here's an FYI, you're all gonna die screaming. All we wanna do is eat your brains. We're not unreasonable, I mean no one's gonna eat your eyes. If you open up the door, we'll all come inside and eat your brains. I don't want to nitpick, Tom, but is this really your plan? Spend your whole life locked inside a mall. Maybe that's okay for now, but someday you'll be out of You'll have to make the call I'm not surprised to see you haven't thought it through enough You never had the head for all that bigger picture stuff But Tom, that's what I do And I plan on eating you slowly I mean, no one's gonna eat your eyes. All we wanna do is eat your brains. We're at an impasse here. Maybe we should compromise. If you open up the door, we'll all come inside and eat your brains. I'd like to help you, Tom. Well, thank you for your time. I know we're all 
busy as hell And we'll put this thing to bed When I bash your head open All we want to do is eat your brains We're not unreasonable I mean, no one's gonna eat your eyes Open up the doors We'll all come inside and eat your brains I have a follow-up for Rhinos. Chantel Beyer, 24, was attacked by a white rhino while touring a nature reserve in South Africa. Ms. Beyer of Johannesburg had posed for a photo with her husband, Sven, moments before she was gored in the back. <laughs> no kidding. The... I'm surprised the person snapping this photo didn't actually catch the goring. Or maybe, I guess they fled like once the thing impaled her. The horn pierced Ms. Beyer's chest from behind, causing a collapsed lung <gasps> and broken ribs. Oh, and th- that rhino in the photo is lining oh. up that attack. Oh, yeah. You have to go. Everybody, have to, you have to go to the website, causticsodapodcast.com, and look at this photo. It is so obvious this rhino is moments away from goring her. If you follow the trajectory of the horn, it pretty much points at her yeah. head. <laughs> I, yeah. I like the other rhino, though. He's like, I'm out of here. This is bad. This is bad. <laughs> I, I Shit's think, going down. I think that rhino's going, all right, uh, Bob over there's got these two people. What's up with this car? Should I be goring that? <laughs> Game park owner Alex Richter had reportedly told the group it was safe to get out of the safari vehicle to take photos and used food to coax two rhinos closer. <laughs> This is classic. Mr. Richter suggested Miss Byer stand just a little bit closer to the <laughs> massive bull rhino moments before it attacked. Ms. Byer's husband dragged her away from the animal and into the safari vehicle. She was rushed, rushed to intensive care unit at the, ho- at the closest hospital where she was in stable condition soon after the incident. Well, that's good. I mean, because uh, go- as we discovered during the rhinos episode... Uh, it's not just always about the goring. There's also the goring and the stomping. Yeah. They like to gore you and then stomp you. So uh, I'm guessing the fact that the uh, rhino didn't gore her and her husband simultaneously gave him an opportunity to drag her away to keep the stomping from happening. But uh, am I wrong that rhinos are the animal that's responsible for more human deaths than any other? No, that's rhinos hippos. or hippos? You're thinking okay. of hippos. All right. Yeah. That's an episode yet to come. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> because I, I'm, you know, I'm terrified of shark attacks, and and apparently hippos have them just like oh, like a million just times. Be, yeah. Oh yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Hippos are ornery. They're downright ornery. And and also, but you see a hippo and you go, yeah, it's a hippo. It's big. And you see a shark and you go, oh, it's a shark. Look at the teeth. Let's. <laughs> That's get out not of... cute at all. <laughs> no. Even the baby ones. If sharks were like more bulbous and rounded and didn't have, you know, multiple rows of sharp teeth, maybe they'd be more dangerous. Like, if, like if they looked like a manatee. What if they had like, like just big eyes, like big, just like Google eyes. big yeah. eyelashes too. Exactly. Sharks. Like a big cartoon manatee, except that it eats people. Uh-huh. That would probably be far more dangerous. Yeah, because it would lure you closer. Yep. Inspires uh, me for a drawing. I look at this photo again, and I just think to myself, how come the person who's taking the photo isn't saying, oh, hold on a second, this is not looking good? And it, Well, her body language is even, she doesn't look entirely comfortable. Like, the, no. the guy there is holding her very, very firmly. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, her arm is kind of pulling away. She's turned sideways. The look in her face is a little, I've got a smile for the camera, but <laughs> there's a huge animal with a sharp horn behind me. <laughs> Never turn your back to a rhino. 
No, yeah. don't don't worry, it's safe. They hardly ever attack. <laughs> I like the the uh, the the guy who ran the game farm was luring them closer with food. You know what? Have you ever heard of something forced perspective? You can, you know, you can. There are cameras today. Oh, I see. I mean, you can. You Do can fisheye lens. Fish yeah, eye the, lens. The, or the zoom. The, uh, yeah, or zoom lens. Exactly. The the rhinos can be off way in the distance, and you can still get in the same picture with them. Just do like a, a like a matte painting. Oh yeah, Photoshop it. Photoshop it. Get a picture of them, and then get a picture of yourselves, and then just like mix and match. Man. Now the thing is, though, she does have one of the greatest mementos of her trip ever. <laughs> a giant scar. Here's a that too. Collapsed here's a picture. Lung, broken ribs. Here's a picture of the rhino moments before it gored, gored me. me. It's true. Normally, like who has that photo? Are you going to show that photo and not get the reaction? You a goddamn idiot? (laughs) No, the guy next to me is. He said it would be okay. He's the expert. I paid him for his expertise, and uh, I screwed up. Did anybody else back in the 70s have their parents have parties where they would, like, show their slides to all their friends from the trip they did? Like, the the 1970s precursor to Facebook albums, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this would be, like, an awesome one to mix in the middle of that. Oh, here's here's us, and we're getting a photo with the rhinos, and then kukunk, and then show her being gored, right? Like, in the hospital. <laughs> no, or just have her like actual the thing protruding from her chest or something, <laughs> That's right? The photo they didn't just, show us. <laughs> yeah, get the uh, just to horrify your friends and neighbors. Yeah, this is uh, you know, it's a great story. I'm glad she's not dead, but uh, kind of hoisted on her own rhino horn. Well, not her own. Some other rhinos <laughs> hoisted on the rhino behind her's horn. All right, so we're gonna watch a video now. Dated from January 19th, 2013 in Bulgaria. Uh, the leader of Bulgaria's opposition movement for rights and freedoms, Ahmet Dogen, escaped an apparent assassination attempt while addressing a party conference in Sofia. He's a pretty strapping looking dude. Comes yeah. up to, uh, you know, an old sort of stately gentleman. He looks like a hired goon. And levels a gun right at his head and obviously pulls the trigger. Yeah. And the gun doesn't go off. And then he kind of looks at his gun confused and then tries it again. Cocks it, yeah. And then gets tackled by security. And the, the guy he tried to kill responds pretty quickly considering the weirdness that's going on. Like he he kind of does that, somebody just tried to kill me and failed, and then starts pushing at the guy and trying to knock the trying to knock the gun away, and then everybody else tackles The, the craziest guy. part about this video is when the security guys get him down on the ground and get the gun away from him, and they just start boot-fucking him. Like, they just start stomping him and kicking him in the head and punching him and just, like, beating him pretty yeah. mercilessly. They should have just held him back for the uh, dude who uh, he tried to kill. <laughs> just, like, all hold him and they, let that guy get his kicks in. Yeah, like you would in a movie. If Hollywood has yeah. taught me anything, that's what you do. You let the guy that he tried to wrong get his vengeance. I would have kneed him in the balls and then <laughs> brought his head into my knee. Oh, that, yeah. That's the way you do it. Yeah. <laughs> If Ed Brisson had been on that podium, this would have turned out way differently. Here's the thing, though. The guy kicking that guy the hardest and trying to maybe make him die might be in on it with him and trying to get rid of the evidence. <laughs> you know what I mean? You idiot. You out. failed. I'm not going to let you finger me. <laughs> but also, it wasn't a real gun either. It was a It was. It was a, a, a bullet. It was a gas gun or something like that. It was something, some weird type of gun. Like a zip gun or something? Yeah, it was something that normally couldn't kill someone unless it was a shot usually, from that uh, that distance. Usually okay. non-lethal gun, yeah. A gas pistol with blank cartridges. But it was like right up against the guy's temple, so... Well, why would you use that? Probably it's all he had. I don't think we know. And furthermore, if it worked, 
and he'd been shot in the head. Did this guy think he was going to get away with it? Maybe, maybe he was hired, and this was the gun they gave him. They, oh, yeah. Maybe that guy needs to like need some pole numbers, right? He, right. <laughs> he's yeah, trying to climb is, in the poles. So this is kind of an an opposite uh, conspiracy. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, this guy. I mean, it was on like the Bulgarian television. Like there were a million cameras there. Like, yeah. It's not like this guy was ever going to walk away from this. So he was either going to get like gunned down himself, or he was going to get uh, captured and prosecuted in some way shape or form it it could have been the people who wanted him to do it uh, had control over his family said you have to do this or we're going to kill your mother and kids or something it could be that he's just like a deranged person who just took whatever weapon he could didn't realize it was non-lethal and that's why it failed because he just was incompetent i mean it is certainly one of the most insane videos it you could will be ever that he see. has the backing of some kind of corrupt opposition party that has said look once this guy's gone we'll make sure that you're taken care of we'll get you out of prison everything will be fine you'll be in there for a year but we'll Can make I see you the video rich. again yeah if i was ahmed though i'd be i'd be just hitting the bars at night <laughs> Just be like, dude, I just survived an assassination oh, attempt. Oh, totally. I have to chips. live. Who's buying me shots? <laughs> I would be wrecked. The next day, I would just feel like I'd wish that guy had succeeded when I woke up in the morning. <laughs> woke up. When I woke up. Uh, yeah, you know, it's certainly, this feels like a great pickup line, right? Hey, baby, I just survived an assassination attempt. I'm lucky. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, so like let's it, get lucky. If it got reversed, if some woman was like, hey, I just survived an assassination attempt, I'd be like, well, there might be more. So I'm going to go <laughs> yeah, that might, way. Might be more. <laughs> you know, what if they want to try again? I don't want to be nearby flying bullets. Yeah, but girls love the bad boys. Girls love the bad boys. The more danger, the better. Are you kidding me? So what you're saying is the possible assassin is going to totally get laid because he's the real bad boy. Uh, hey baby, I just tried to kill the leader of Bulgaria. This is no, this is like a test fighter pilot thing, you know. F- you tell me fighter pilots didn't get some sweet love and action. No, they got tons of it because they were in right. constant danger. I yeah, because yeah. they look good. But oh, but and if, they look good. Yeah, if in order to like... date them, you had to go up into the plane, <laughs> then they wouldn't. Yeah. And an assassination attempt can happen anywhere. That's the beauty of the test pilot. The danger is is completely contained. You go off and be dangerous, honey. I'll have sex with you when you get back. That is a valid point. If somebody <laughs> had tried to kill a girl I'd met and failed, I would then be thinking the next time we're alone. I, th- th- this is my I, point. Yeah, yeah. Like she's like, hey, I, I brought my car. Let's uh, let's drive back to my place. I'm like, I'm not getting in your car. <laughs> At we, well, all. We'll take on. public transit. I'll get into it, but I'll stand over here when you turn it on. Uh, like it would be a weird relationship. Wow. You guys are all sexist. I'd have sex with her. <laughs> That's yeah. I. Hmm. Me too. Something that we neglected. Well, kind of a follow up. Kind of just some information that we didn't uh, include in our funerals episode. This is kind of a follow up to the Zoroastrian funeral, specifically the Tower of Silence, as you will recall where the Zoroastrians leave their uh, dead bodies to be eaten by vultures and whatnot. So Zoroastrians strongly connect physical purity with spiritual purity. This is one of the reasons washing is such a central part of the purification rituals. Decomposition is traditionally viewed as the work of a demon known as Druj-i-Nasush. Druj-i-Nasush. 
and the corrupting influence of this process is viewed as contagious and spiritually dangerous. The body of the recently deceased is washed in Gomez. Do you know what Gomez is? Uh, They rub Mexican guys all over it? (laughs) Oh, no, that's a band. That's a band. Gomez is actually pretty good. (laughs) It is unconsecrated bull's urine. Unconsecrated. Unconsecrated. Bull's urine. Okay. And water. And water. And that's better than what they did? Better than rubbing it with a Mexican person? (laughs) I guess that's probably just as bad. The clothes it will wear and the room in which it will lie before final disposal are also washed clean. The clothes will be disposed of afterward as contact with the corpse has permanently defiled them. The body is then placed on a clean white sheet and visitors are allowed to pay their respects, although they are forbidden to touch. A dog will twice be brought into the corpse's presence to keep away demons in a ritual called Sagdid. Okay. All right. Good. Dogs to keep away demons. Once the body is prepared, professional corpse bearers richly wash and put on clean clothes in an attempt to stave off the worst of the corruption. Fire is also brought into the room and fed with fragrant woods to drive off corruption and disease. So then the body is moved within oh, one day. They're really hung up on this corruption and mm-hmm. disease thing. So then the body is moved within one day to the Dachma or Tower of Silence. A pair of priests makes prayers, and then all in attendance bow to the body out of respect. They wash with Gomez and water. Again. Before leaving the site. How much bulls urine they got lying around? Oh, I guess, you know, I bet you bulls have really big peas, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I've seen horses pee. And you feed them a lot probably, of alcohol. <laughs> probably similar. Oh, yeah, like you need a drunk bull wandering around. <laughs> Uh, the Dachma is a wide tower with a platform open to the sky. Corpses are left on the platform to be picked clean by vultures, a process which takes only a few hours. So we did talk about this yes. during our uh, funerals yep. Yep. episode. This allows the body to be consumed before dangerous corruption sets in. <laughs> Damn with the corruption. So the issue as of 2006 is over the past 15 years, millions of South Asian vultures have died from eating cattle carcasses tainted by a painkiller given to sick cows. Oh, okay. So they're giving sick cows medicine, which is killing the vultures that are eating them. Conservationists estimate that more than 90% of India's vultures have died, making all three species critically endangered. 90%? Holy crap. You think they could make uh, like vulture-friendly medicine? Well, eventually. It's not their top priority (laughs) for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) So with three to four Zoroastrian followers dying daily in Mumbai, a city of 16 million people, this is in India, obviously, for those uh-huh. who may not know. Mumbai, initially called Bombay by yeah. the mm-hmm. English. There are no longer enough vultures to consume the corpses. Uh, <laughs> they need to start a vulture farm, a Zoroastrian vulture mm-hmm. farm. Mm-hmm. That's what they mm-hmm. need to do, start to raising them in captivity. I so sense can, business opportunity. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of money in Mumbai, though, unfortunately. Bodies are now left to decompose coated with lime. This causes complaints about the smell and is a problem for the religious since the soul is supposed to be carried away by vultures to join the spirit world within four days after death. Well, vultures fly to the spirit world. Huh. Maybe. The Zoroastrians, this is my favorite part of the story. The Zoroastrians have installed solar panels to speed up decomposition. (laughs) Oh, they're getting into the 21st century with their decomposition. Yeah, they can afford the solar panels, but not the um, vulture vulture breeding farm. uh, To limited success, especially during the rainy season. Uh, As of 2006, elders were working out a more advanced system to dehydrate bodies and speed decomposition. You know what they need to do? Yeah. Like from our Urban Fires episode that we just did. 
uh, snow globes. Surround the bodies with giant Surround snow globes. Surround the body with snow globes. So they will burst into flame. But I think as I, if, even though, I think if I recall correctly, they don't want to set them on fire because it will corrupt the fire. Oh. Yeah. Oh, snap. Well, yeah. Zoroasters do not cremate their debt as it would corrupt the fire. Wow. That's the most... The, and they don't bury them because it would corrupt the earth. Exactly. That's the most pro-fire thing I've ever heard. Way. The, the whole corrupting the earth thing I get because you're putting a rotting corpse in there. But the whole corrupting fire thing, fire is usually kind of like, you know... It's the great purifier. Well, yeah, but it like burns down your house or you like burns your hand or I guess it, it cooks your food. Leaves all that corrupt soot. Why don't they, they just pour them in the ocean? We'll just make our way through the elements. <laughs> pour would, them in the ocean. Would that corrupt uh, the water? Would it corrupt the water? But aren't they corrupting the air by sending them off with the vultures? No, but they fly them to heaven. I, don't know. I guess vultures yeah. are incorruptible. Or maybe they're mo- the most corrupt and it doesn't matter anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Vulture. why they won't breed them because you breed vultures, you corrupt yourself. Vulture gizzards are powered by the power of heaven and yes. they can clean anything and they poop out clean beautiful vulture poop. <laughs> no, that's like uh yeah. Uh you can uh you can wash people in vulture poop because it's uh, been uh yeah. bathed in the glory of the intestinal <clears throat> tract. Vulture culture. <laughs> ah. Do you have a uh, you've got a funeral anecdote, don't you? Yeah, um I guess it again involves my father, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but Ed, tell us all about it. Unburden yourself. It's uh, it was about when I was ten years old, and uh, <laughs> I was at my first funeral. I don't know if you guys remember your first funeral, but it's kind of a freaky. You know? yeah, who 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 was it? It was uh, one of my dad's relatives. Uh, my dad, um, on his side of the family, there's about three million relatives, so I do not know <laughs> sure. most of them. Uh, and so it was one of his uh, relatives, I believe, a cousin, which I didn't know at the time, and funeral uh, and the the cemetery where they were conducting the funeral in front of a uh, tombstone uh, that read uh, Edmond Brisson, which is uh, my name. <laughs> um, up until that point, no one had uh, thought to let me know that I was named after my dad's grandfather, oh. Edmond Brisson. And uh, so I sat there. Uh, I was, at this point, Pretty much pretty deep into Twilight Zone, that sort of stuff. So uh, I sat there pretty much convinced that I was dead and attending my own funeral uh, because it was during the funeral. Nobody was talking. You know, they're listening to the priest and uh, I couldn't get anyone. <laughs> Basically, almost fainted. I went back and, you know, just kind of hung back until, you know, afterwards, you know, finally my dad sort of acknowledged me and, and explained what was going on. But for a good 20 minutes, half an hour, I thought I was dead. And that they were burying me. And, have you ever, have you ever felt like that since? No, <laughs> I haven't since. Uh, you actually have remember the exact moment when you're like your mortality struck you in the face, right? Like it's uh, you know most of us it's a uh, long sort of drawn out creeping process. Well, I had um, another thing that, that that freaked me out at the time is that um, uh, when I was born, I don't know if we talked about this. I had a hole in my lung. I had a, so I had a problem, I, and uh, for two months I was in an incubator, and I had priests come in reading my last rites and all that sort of stuff. So I'd always, as a kid, knew about that, and because I went to Catholic school and had read my last rites, 
Mm-hmm. I thought I always had this kind of feeling that I was you could die at any time just because they'd already did it they'd <laughs> yeah, already done right. it right so so it wouldn't matter at any, at any point I, I I could just die and there wouldn't need to be any sort of ceremony <laughs> oh, around okay. it so it's, it, was it uh, was it liberating did you feel like oh yeah man I'm ready I'm no I was, I was told I was careful. 10 you know the, the gates I don't of think heaven any are... 10 year olds like oh f- finally I'm dead thank god I could just move on with the rest of my life because I'm dead yeah I've done everything I need to do <laughs> no I pulled more... that girl's hair <laughs> Peed against a tree. My I, life is full. I brought my knee up into some guy's nose. <laughs> I got uh, no. I was thinking more like just like oh, the gates of heaven are open for me. I don't need anybody to give me the old like you know uh, ad hominem domine or whatever. And uh, you know, just if if I were to go, I'm on the I'm on this bullet train. Yeah, I don't think I ever really felt that way. I was a shitty kid, so I was always like <laughs> shoplifting and stuff like that. So I was pretty sure that if uh, if it had happened. You're a bullet uh, train to hell. Yeah, bullet train to hell for sure. Oh. Yeah. I've got a food follow-up here. Apparently there is a Serbian specialty cheese called Pule or Pool. P-U-L-E cheese. All right. It and must be a runny cheese because it pools, obviously. I, I, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Pule rhymes with mule. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually donkey cheese oh. made from Balkan donkeys in Serbia. You called it. I can't believe it. Balkan donkey cheese. All right. Right. Uh, the Here's the odd thing about this. The entire... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. There's an odd thing about Balkan donkey, donkey cheese? cheese? I like, I like that Balkan donkey cheese sounds like something you call someone and you're mad at them. Yeah. <laughs> or... Uh, you Balkan donkey cheese. Or it's something that guys with foreskins get. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> After having sex with them and before getting the cancer. Yeah. Tennis superstar Novak Djokovic okay. has bought the entire 2013 supply of this uh, Pule cheese, this donkey cheese. All right. So this is obviously uh, very contained to a certain area. It or maybe... is the most expensive cheese in the world. Oh. What? It sells for now I about try a thousand euros a kilogram. What? Which is about $500 a pound. Holy shit. There are only 100 Jennies, that would be the female donkey, uh, in the area where they make this that are milked, and each one has to be hand-milked three times a day. <laughs> and it takes 25 liters of milk to make one liter of cheese. Oh, my God. And it's also then smoked. Oh. I totally want to I try this cheese. Well, you can't unless you go... To Novak Djokovic's restaurant. Mr. Djokovic. Because he bought every scrap of this cheese from 2013 to make sure that his restaurant will have it. it, So he monopolized the cheese. Yes. How many pounds did he buy? I don't know how much there is, but there's only 100 donkeys. They get milked three times. Jennies. uh, 100 jennies. (laughs) uh, Milked three times a day. I don't know. How many liters do you figure you can get out of a donkey per milking? (laughs) Maybe, let's say, a couple. Or one per milk. Let's say one one liter. Yeah. So so you can get a hundred liters three times a day, three hundred liters. So I mean, I know I can put out three liters of milk a day. I think that we should pause. Go out to Abbotsford or Chilliwack. I'm sure we can find some. We have to start measuring. We got to get some solid data on this. Let Let's say that uh, the hundred Jennies make 250 liters of milk, and that would then make uh, 10 liters of cheese. Okay. Or over a what period of time? 10 pounds a, a day. Okay. If, they can make t- if they can make two and a half liters uh, a day per Jenny. Okay. So that would be 10 liters of cheese per day. Okay. All right. So he's cornered the market. 
Oh, I really want that. I totally want to try this cheese now. This is frustrating me. And at a thousand euros per kilogram and say a liter weighs about a kilogram. If it's the same as water, that would be. I can, I can get you 10, some, of, the, some of your euphemistic Balkan donkey cheese, <laughs> but not the real thing. <laughs> how how much evil? is that uh, per pound? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's free. And how long does that take to cultivate? <laughs> a lifetime. <laughs> Pule. All right, I have a lesser of two evil suggestion. Okay. Leaking brain fluid through your nose. Right. What that, was that, that? What was it called? The SM Suffolmusk? Skizzlefliss. Mr. Slipkiscium? Skizzlefliss. Mr. It's backwards. Spontaneous cerebral spinal fluid leak? There you go. Syndrome. Syndrome? All right, one of them. S-C-S-F-L-S. Yeah, one of them. Or... A rectovaginal fistula. Rectovaginal fistula. Well, I have no vagino, so we're assuming that it comes out through the penile. Yeah, okay. You're you're pooing through yes. your dick. Yeah. You uh, you, you, you have, poo through your pee hole. Yes. And and regardless you can't, of your sex. And you, you can't that, you can't stop it. Like it just will spontaneously leak out through your penis. And, and is that not normal? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a normal thing. I didn't want to mention the smell. Yeah, because it doesn't really translate to the podcast. It, but now I, that he said that, I think I'm safe to bring it up. It doesn't stop. I'm sorry. Just... <laughs> uh, when does it stop? That depends. Oh. I think pretty much the lines are drawn in the sand. Is you have something that is life threatening, and in order to fix it, they used to have to pull your brain out and kind of spackle yeah, the but bottom that was of your brain. Used cavity. to. Yes. Now they just simply go in through your nose and repair it. Uh, versus, and it's life-threatening, you get an infection anytime, and it's brain fluid. Right. Or you, every once in a while, spontaneously poop out of the end of your penis or vagina, for our listeners, if that's appropriate, uh, and uh, you, there's about a 70% chance that they can fix it. So it's faucet nose versus shit dick. <laughs> that's a very succinct way of putting it, Ed. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, faucet nose versus shit dick. These are my two, like, enjoyment locations on my body. Like uh, Your nose? Well, brain. Well, brain. Brain okay. fluid. He likes his brain fluid where, it, where I, it's supposed I, to be at. A lot of my enjoyment comes from my brain. I can't always be physically enjoying the world around me. Mm -hmm. But when I do physically enjoy the world around me, right up there at the top is the uh, the shit dick. The fistula. Location. Well, if you had shit dick, yeah. you could get around it by just explaining to all your partners that you only have anal sex. And also, just, uh, <laughs> just right? a, a benefit a benefit of shit dick, you would no longer have to drop your pants and go to the washroom fully. You could just stand there. Oh, that's true. Oh. You could shit right into you the toilet. You could uh, just shit right into a stand-up urinal. Okay, but here's my question. If it's spontaneous, do you get like a warning or are you just suddenly shitting your I pants I think spontaneous means no warning, doesn't it? Yeah, Normally. I mean, from from the articles that I read on uh, Ostomy Land, uh, yeah, there there is no there is no predicting. There's when no it will time happen. to get to the bathroom no. to even enjoy that benefit. You basically have but, a tube but, going up your your penis, yeah, to take yeah, everything well, put it into if, a bag if you wanted. Because instead eh, you of, know, yeah. <laughs> I think all it is just instead of settling in your lower colon, it just like kind of goes through this this hole that allows. So instead of just sitting there waiting for you to poop it out, it just slides through. So you could wear like some kind of plastic pants, put some elastic bands at the bottom, 
and just let it leak out and fill up so it looks like you know corduroys. you look like you're wearing corduroys at all times yeah and it's your your pants just kind of fill up and you look like the michelin man on the bottom but until they fill up you look like you're wearing like a quarter of a pair of corduroy pants yeah. up to your knees and then the rest of you is and just there's naked. the weird shit sloshing sound as you're you know i think i might have to have brain damage you know i i just wouldn't wear pants if that was my thing i would walk around leaving a just trail just, behind just you. shit dicking everywhere just <laughs> leaving like a slug trail because yeah, why wear pants? You're just going to ruin them. You're going to wash them. That's extra work. Yeah. Just walk around. Like, horses shit wherever yeah. they go, right? Just really long t-shirts so that you're not, yeah, uh, you know, you don't get arrested for public nudity. Yeah, just wear a night is shirt it, Is it illegal to walk around naked? Yeah. Uh, I've never been charged. <laughs> so I, I assume yeah, that right. it was you not. You can just hang out at the nude beach. You can hang out at a wrecked yeah, beach. Yeah, here wrecked beach. Vancouver. I would wreck wrecked beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They would call it wrecked beach. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> caustic soda. <laughs> Uh, you know, I really, I'm not, uh, I'm not big on dying, so uh, I'm not a big fan of the brain fluid one. But, but it's only dick, a risk of dying. Yeah, but it's a pretty good risk of dying, and there's brain surgery involved. Yeah, but I really don't but like the sounds the of shit. One, dick. There's also surgery involved, and that's from the case that you stated had to happen six times yes in her case they took six times and it bagged out her sphincter so much that she poops in a bag now. so but so going by the scenario we would assume that it would take six operations for us to presume a shit dick no well it, it could take six operations here's here's a deal breaker for me and why i would go for the brain leakage peanuts Peanuts. Peanuts. Explain. imagine a peanut lodged in your urethra coming through your urethra this is why i chew my food yes but Peanuts, come on! Oh. It's it's, no, it's they you, would be jaggy. Even if you chew them, they're jaggy. They would scratch the shit out of <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> shit out of your urethra. I, I would rather I would rather leaky nose, uh, but it's still leaking all over the place. It's, it's kind of gross. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. It looks like you got you have a snot rag stuffed but it's, up your it's nose. Clear and it's and tasteless, it, and tasteless. tasteless. odorless. Yeah, yeah that's so, true. So it's not shit. Exactly. It's not shit coming out of your nose. Whenever you look at somebody who's just caught, kind of got a like, wet little patch of, of, of runny snot like under their nose, mm-hmm. they just seem like they're suffering from a mental disorder, right? Yeah, you know it's I mean? much worse than smelling like shit all so, the time. Okay. <laughs> just no, a, he says you can hide it, I think is what he's... Yeah, come on, just, I can hide my shit dick. Yeah, yeah exactly. Until it matters. <laughs> just to get some clarity then, does this uh, scenario suppose that we can't go outside, like we can't just stay inside and hide it? <laughs> Like, oh do no! We have you to go could. You could. Okay. Well, you then, could. then I would take the brainy, the leaky brainy stuff. Leaky brainy. Okay. Yeah, All I'd right. be okay the, with that. The life-threatening brain leakage. Well, All it's right. clear. It's clean. It sounds. It sounds like a very clean fluid that would be coming through your nose yeah. versus the not I mean, clean fluid. Uh, both, both these substance. scenarios, you would basically want to do the surgery. I mean, right. both these scenarios, you're going to eventually go for the surgery. There's no doubt about it because one is very life-threatening, and uh, and the other one, no matter what they do to you. There's not much of a chance of you dying from this fistula. Yeah, but here's the thing. I feel if they fuck up the brain surgery, I will never know it. <laughs> that is a good point. The surgery in my pants, I will know it possibly several times. Yeah. <laughs> a day. And also, if you your found life. yourself single down the road and you tell somebody, I almost died from brain leakage, yeah, exactly. they would be, oh my God, that sucks. If you say, I almost died from shit dick. <laughs> 
Guaranteed that relationship don't, is dead. Even if you're like, don't worry, it's fixed now. Yeah, it's Everything's fixed. Yeah, yeah. I do not shit from my dick anymore. Like, even if the surgery went well and you don't shit into a bag and, and everything works fine, you would still be telling people that. I, and they would, much like you just can't wash certain things off your hands, you cannot get the thought of shit coming out of a guy's dick. Oh, I would never brain. tell anybody about shit dick. I could kiss blowjobs goodbye forever. That's what I'm saying. I'm gonna take I know you, more... Kevin. It would come out while you're drunk at some point. <laughs> I know. Ah, <laughs> uh, this reminds me of the time I had shit dick. Oh, God. Damn. <laughs> I do like to tell war stories. Uh, I, for, for just for the purpose that um, one is life threatening and the other is not, and they're both rectifiable by surgery, I'm going with shit dick. One's okay. more rectifiable than others. <laughs> yeah. Get it? Get it? Yeah. Rectum? Yeah. Get it? Rectal? I, 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 Rectum? Yeah. Rectum? Mm. <laughs> So I'm going with, I'm solidly, I'm voting solidly. I got to go with brain. Oh, yeah. I choose the cerebrospinal fluid. I take, the yeah. SCSFLS. It, it is a little eye-opening to realize I will take the risk to my life to ensure quality of life. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know what would happen with my life if I lost the ability to enjoy that. Like, mm-hmm. But it would enhance your enjoyity, your ability <laughs> to enjoy uh, your smell of your own farts. <laughs> I, I brain stuff, man. All I'm thinking is like not properly digested food coming out through my wang. <laughs> I just do not like that idea. But is that the, and you're a vegetarian? Is, I'm is a that, vegetarian. Yeah. Is that the only reason that you're voting against shit dick? No, is, well, because it's shit dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm voting against it. <laughs> shit dick. Come on. Three to one, Kevin. It's okay. I feel good about my decision. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, "I hope I don't go crazy today." It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while undergoing buckyball therapy. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Or email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Ed Brisson is the writer of Comeback from Image Comics. His website is edbrisson.com and on Twitter at edbrisson. Are you going to pay him or is he going to pay you? What's your expectation? We'll see how much he likes it. (laughs) I'm going to pay to watch. So you do it, and then afterwards you figure out who owes who. who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who had the most enjoyment?